Hi there, you're listening to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Hamish, his name is Craig. Evening Hamish, how we doing? Bit angry Craig, but we'll come on to that in a, a split second. Callum, hello. How you doing Hamish, happy new year to you guys, I think it's a, well, I wasn't on the last one, which was the only one close to new year, so I hope you have a nice Christmas and new year. It's not been particularly happy for me, if I'm honest, mate, but I appreciate the sentiment nonetheless. Um, a lot of that is down to the football team I support. And once again, they have found a way to anger me in 2021. I thought 2020 was bad, but it's got a whole lot worse since the bells rang in. And we've had kind of an unprecedented moment for me supporting Celtic today as the club released a interview, I think, first in text form on the website although I've not actually seen that, and also then in video form on YouTube of Peter Law sitting down with the, the very impartial and outside broadcaster, Jerry McCulloch, mm-hmm. asking him all the tough questions that everyone wanted to hear. And the upshot is that Peter Law apologised to the Celtic support. I'm not going to read out all of what he had to say because I don't really care for it, but he did say, on reflection, clearly it, it being Dubai, was a mistake, and for that I profusely apologise to our supporters. That was the first 20 seconds of the video. The latter four minutes and 40 seconds were taken up by him, justifying why they went to Dubai and talking about how amazing Celtic have been during this COVID pandemic with their testing and also even at one stage whoring out the Celtic Foundation for a bit of credit to make us seem like we're doing a great job. So I didn't really care for that. Uh, We'll obviously get into it a wee bit further in the next couple of minutes. But first of all, uh, I presume you guys have have caught this. Do do either of you want to particularly come in and and add anything on this? This... um, Crazy moment in in Celtic history. I have seen it, Hamish. Yeah, um, I'm I'm glad you kind of touched upon just what you did there, and in terms of it was almost an apology, yeah, a grovelling apology for the first matter of seconds before um, a little bit of damage limitation. Almost after that, trying to, as you say, the, the kind of topics he, he went on to touch upon. Yeah, I suppose on the last podcast we spoke about it, didn't we? And um, we were totally baffled by the decision to go. Um, this is before, obviously, what's what's happened since with the the positive result um, for for Julian, who obviously, like the, the fact is, he he's got the virus, and, and you you hope um, that he fully recovers from it. Um, but yeah, it just really kind of justified um, what everyone really <laughs> outside the Celtic was saying um, about how uh, just irresponsible, I suppose, and, and baffling the trip actually was. Um, since then, you've obviously had um, numerous players justifying the trip. I think we had, obviously, uh, his name is just completely going out of my head. Is it Ian Maxwell? from the Almost justifying the trip as well. And then all of a sudden, we've got this, this video minutes before we came on to record tonight. Um to eventually apologise. Uh, I'm not a Celtic fan, but um, listening to what you're saying there, Hamish, I'm sure uh, a lot of Celtic fans would feel the same. It's all just a little too little, too late. Um, yeah, just the risk to go, of going to Dubai. Um, I missed a global pandemic was always that this could have happened. Um, and yeah, just uh, what is left to be said that hasn't already been said, to be honest about it. It's just a, a very sorry episode. And um uh, where Celtic are concerned so yeah not much else to add I suppose Callum what have you made of the, the whole situation? 
it's just been a, a shambles for, for start to finish, obviously, with the original proposal that, that they were going to Dubai after the the Rangers match and then having to kind of uh, rearrange the, the Hibs game and to the Monday night, which is even, obviously, for, for a Diddy Club point of view, pretty out of order, to be fair, when you consider that, obviously, the kind of the punishment that Kamala and Saman could be facing due to this alleged breach of COVID regulations and, and, and saying that there's no room to, to, to play these games and rearrange them. I know it was only by, by two days or whatever, but still, it's, it's, it's still a bit of a, a sore one to take with that. But no, it was it was baffling. But listen to Off the Ball on that on Saturday, obviously, Professor Jason Leach was on it, and I know we could obviously speak about him all day as well. But And, and he said that this one where their training camp was obviously permitted, so they actually weren't doing anything quote-unquote illegal or against the rules and so forth. But obviously, it's one of those kind of grey areas which are so many, so apparent, sorry, in um, many of the COVID regulations that people seem to find kind of loopholes. And that's obviously more suited to the likes of, we used the example of kind of like Mo Farah um, having to train for marathons and stuff to get warm weather training how beneficial is it really to, to Celtic in, in this uh, current climate and when you look at the fact that obviously Julian was out there he was injured um, when you see the, the pictures with the players with, with beers and stuff just doesn't really it's, it's a bit of a slap in the face to, to you I uh, to, to you and I obviously Celtic supporters will be after the season that you you guys have had is is it's just honestly, it, it would make me angry thinking about it if I could imagine even my club or anywhere near in the same position. But no, nah, it was it was just a bit of shambles from start to finish. And it's funny you say that because now I'm a bit like, eyes are spot on. Um, watching the video originally, I was a bit like, oh, fair play. I wasn't expecting Lowell to come out and uh, profusely apologise for it. But then, as you said, the, the remainder of the video was a case of, well, we did it because it's worked before and this and that. And then there was. They were showing cutaways of the guys training hard as well, which was obviously a clever PR stunt as well. So, um, and unfortunately, no pictures of Shane Duffy and Scott Brown with, with um, I don't know, all inclusive lager in their home. But I don't know. It's 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 a tough one. And I, well, I don't know. It's 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 pretty ridiculous, start to finish, ongoing shambles. And I know we'll come on to how this has affected the rest of Scottish football and not just uh, Celtic and, and the Celtic support. Right, I don't want to spend ages on this, guys, because I've I do it for my job permanently, and I spend my whole life, it seems, talking about Celtic's mishaps. Um, a couple of final points I want to make before we move on from Celtic, hopefully forever, uh, and it's actually away from the whole Dubai stuff. Uh, the mention that that COVID has affected Celtic, I think the the quote was more than most clubs, or, or maybe even more than more than any club, Peter Lowe said the the exact quote, but something along those lines. And uh, I called it on one of my videos in 67 Hill Hill earlier in the week, Celtic are going to trod out this COVID killed the 10 line propaganda from now on that that is going to be what we see. And it is nothing short of an absolute disgrace. Uh, There was no mention in the video today of the so-called January review the club's going to, or said they were going to conduct with regards to Neil Lennon's future. We've got a game against Livingston on on Saturday with 
you know, the shadow squad again that we'll probably drop points in. And then we go to Livingston uh, in midweek when I think the full squad should be back but won't have trained for ages. So you've had the whole effects of the so-called fitness camp in Dubai will have worn off by that stage, you would think. So it's a complete shambles. But Celtic are going to trod out this COVID killed the 10 excuse. It is the most predictable thing ever. And I honestly think that they're going to try and give Neil Lennon next season. I think they're going to do their best to try and get away with Neil Lennon for next season. They're going to blame COVID. The whole marketing's going to be Rangers have won the league, but now we can win it back. And it just makes me so angry because COVID, if you were, put it this way, see if you were writing a list of reasons why Celtic haven't won the league this season, I don't think COVID would make the first 10 pages. You would have so many more before it, uh, you know, the recruitment, the entitlement from the players, the the complacency as well. And, you know, so many other things, uh, balling goalie, uh, El on his phone, all the various mishaps that have happened. And as I say, COVID wouldn't even make the first few pages. So the fact they're going to blame the entire season on that, I think, is an absolute disgrace. Right, Casey, you touched on the fact that the lower leagues have been shut down. I think the the leagues from League One downwards have, have now been, um, not cancelled, but suspended First of all, I thought that was interesting because from the start of the season, it was always the, the Premiership was the one that they talked about on its own. And then it was every league under the Premiership. I mean, the Championship started in mid-October at the same time as League One and League Two. So my first question before we get on to this whole thing, Casey, is do, do you think it's strange that they're now grouping the Premiership and the Championship together and then, you know, all the leagues below that as one as well? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a disaster again, just the way in which this is... This has come out. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know whether they've tried to, you know, split it with more, obviously, professional clubs versus part-time, but you've got professional clubs um, within leagues, leagues one and two as well. Um, but I just, I, I, I don't know what the, I can see, I can see what they're trying to do. Um, obviously, listen to various kind of conflicting views on this over the last couple of days. And, I mean, the main thing is that to to go away from football, obviously, it's clear to see that the, the virus is spreading and stuff, and the new strain is spreading, I don't know, what, three times as quick as, as usual. I think that number's even went up again in, in the last day or so. And so they're obviously having to restrict other areas of our life and, and not just football. When it comes down to that, it's the fact that obviously all the Premiership clubs and stuff have got testing in place, right? But I heard the Stenhouse Muir chairman making the argument that there's no evidence to suggest that, um, well, th- th- there is no evidence whatsoever, not even to suggest, no evidence whatsoever that part-time football is spreading the virus more than uh, professional football. However, due to them having the lack of testing, would maybe... Again, counter-argue that because probably a lot of people are asymptomatic in testing um, positive for it in the Premiership. Again, that's just me. That's um, that's just an argument. I don't know that for sure. Um, but if you're getting tested and carried out, if, if we were getting tested every single day at work along with 30 other people, you could probably bet that once every couple of weeks somebody would test positive showing symptoms or not. Um, and, and I think that that's obviously potentially went in the favour of these kind of worldly clubs because because they're not getting tested uh, regularly. But I don't know, it's it's a nightmare. 
you wonder when this has ever got to stop. I mean, the whole aspect of fans getting back in grounds is just such a such a good laugh now, isn't it? I mean, we we, we went back <laughs> it, we went back in August, thinking, well, you never know. And you had you had three hundred at Aberdeen, uh, Vico Manark and. I think Ross County had a couple of test events as well. Remember those those glory days when three hundred fans could get into a game? Ah, exactly. It's just honestly, it's 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 heartbreaking. It really is. It's it's heartbreaking, and I'm I try not to dwell too much on it. But obviously, we've gone to the podcast specifically to speak about this for a change. Every day in my personal life is is well aware of my feelings on this. But but you're just thinking, there's when when is the end to this, and what has got to happen? Obviously, that's three weeks suspension. And this isn't just because Kilmarnock have, have drawn a World League club in the Scottish Cup, so now we've got a free week, which is which has annoyed me as well. But uh, it's it's just you're thinking about where they got to draw the line this three week. I think it's it's got to go on longer than that. But again, that's no any inside information. It's no based on any logic. It's just a gut feeling. I mean, why would they cancel it now? I I just don't see it getting any better in the next couple of weeks for this to drastically change. They said today that they think that the current lockdown restrictions, quote unquote, are having a positive effect. But I don't know how they can they can say that yet because they still say they were chasing weeks ago's numbers really in mm. case rates. So I don't know how they can say that yet. But I don't know. I've waffled on there, so I can only apologise um, and probably diverted totally away from the original question that you asked me. But um, I, I do think it. I, I really, really feel feel sorry for these clubs. And stop starting it. And they, they've obviously waited until October before they could kick a ball. And again, the the beginning was so weird because the the the, the league clubs are suffering for Premiership clubs, um, i.e. Celtics, uh, poor decision making twice because the whole ball and goalie stuff as well was a nightmare. And obviously in Aberdeen eight and all that which had an effect on football below Premiership level again, and that prevented these clubs from coming back. Remember, Hearts players were back training for about two days, and then they, they got told they couldn't get back to full contact training until October. And and that, again, was no, no uh, was through no fault of their own. And this is, again, what's happened, because this is all definitely stemmed for the Celtic-Dubai trip, as well as the growing rate of the virus. I, th- I think that the Celtic-Dubai trip has escalated it, but I wouldn't say it's a direct uh, effect on that. Well, that's what I wanted to get your thoughts on, Craig, and in case you can fire back in after if you want. But there was a report from uh, the Daily Record, I think the Sun ran it as well, with some quotes from the Stranraer boss, Stevie Farrell, who claimed that the decision made by, I'm assuming it's the, the SFA that made the decision, um, but obviously from pressure from the government, but they're, Stevie Farrell claiming that it was simply political appeasement from the SFA after the mistakes um, they and Celtic made. Um, the, the quotes come in, nobody wants to interfere with the health of the country, but ultimately you have to do that with parity, consistency and fairness. You have to look at it objectively and ultimately the reasons given by the SFA board, supported by the SPFL board, I may add, in relation to the Premiership and Championship are that they have been allowed to to continue because there is a prerequisite that they must test once a week. That's fine, but you've got two part-time clubs in there who have the exact same social bubble as any other part-time club outside of the championship. This is a reaction to Celtic's trip to Dubai. If they look at themselves in the mirror, they know that. This is a tick box exercise. What do you make of that, Craig? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's clear to to see that he's frustrated there and, and rightly so. I did see some of the reports that um I think the kinda the words I read were that 
the League One and Two is almost offered up to to appease the government because they were obviously um, came looking looking for heads really after everything that's happened with Celtic and this whole Dubai trip. Um, I mean, I guess we'll never really know if that's um, if that's what's happened. Um, it certainly feels like that a little bit. You've got to be honest. Um, I think I know there's been a lot of talk about the TV deal, um, and we can't put a pause on on the top flight anyway, um, because of whatever's written into that contract. Again, this is I'm speculating a little bit, um, but yeah, it's clear to see why the the little clubs and. Uh, that sounds a bit disrespectful there, to be honest. Uh, the, the clubs in the League 1 and 2 um, will feel very, very hard done by and frustrated by this. They obviously had to wait a lot longer um, to to get the season up and running. Um, and they'll be taking as much measures as they can to, to give their, their players a safe environment to train and play. Um, and then it kind of feels like they are the ones that are suffering here. Um and yeah, I know, I think KC raised um, a lot of the points that I was thinking myself. It kind of feels like with the rising cases and them, these clubs being unable to test on a, on a regular basis, like um, your kind of championship and obviously the, in the top tier clubs can, that it kind of maybe has to happen in a way. Um, but that won't make it any easier for these clubs as it obviously hasn't. And I know we've heard um, the Peterhead chairman as well. He's sounds pretty despondent about it all really um, and and is it going to be three weeks it kind of feels like it, remember last year when it was initially a three week lockdown and then all of a sudden it's look how far down the line we are now and um, hopefully that's not the case obviously hopefully the, the new lockdown measures that were, were all being put under um, we start to see a, a kind of positive uh, result of those and, and they can get back to playing football because um, it's really the kind of only release we've, we've got at the minute and um, yeah, you can only just feel sorry for the for the clubs that are being affected by this. So, in in terms of what's happening, you're right, Casey. It's a three week suspension on the SPFL League One, League Two, the Scottish Women's Premier League, and and the Premier League Two. I suppose the whole of women's football, Highland Lowland Leagues, Junior Football, North Caledonian League, also suspended, and the Scottish Cup ties between the twelfth of January and the start of February. Casey, are you worried about the Scottish Cup even finishing this season? Are you worried about the the Scottish season even finishing? I I think I am to be honest. Um, Again, it's I, I genuinely don't. Even though we can obviously we're by talking about Celtic, right? Now, it's just ignorance and stupidity. But I think that all all clubs have actually in like, have done really well to try, and, and I think everything there's been in place. And I just, I just I I just don't see that. This is more just my negative outlook on the situation in general, I just don't see it getting any better. And again, that's not even really based in any scientific evidence or logic. It's just a gut feeling that I've got. Um and I just think that the fact that we are still in this position, I don't try, I, I just I just don't know. I I, I, I I do feel for it. I do feel for it. I think that <laughs> it'll probably be a matter of time before they end up Maybe the championship will be first to go before the Premiership, but I I, ju- I just think that the, the the way it's going, it's it's just getting it's getting worse and worse. Um, 
the, the fact that there's even doubt there says enough. I thought we were past this at the beginning of the season. It looked like after that, the couple of wee hiccups that we had. Um, again, didn't kind of stupidity in that with Celtic and Aberdeen that there was a chance that they could have scrapped it then and there, but they didn't. And we looked like to get the woods a wee bit. And we were talking fans coming back and more and more positives and more and more what we're used to. But the way it's going now, I just I think there's every chance it it could be scrapped again. Um, and well, I I I think that they have going by the way that other industries are going to be affected with it. You've just got to hope that these measures that they've put in place over the last couple of weeks um, will have a will have the positive effect that they claim that they will do, and that we can hopefully kick on. And obviously, for Gamble's sake, I actually hope that they don't uh, they don't scrap the league because after waiting this long to, to run away with the league in the way that Rangers have, for it to um, potentially be scrapped or postponed or whatever would would be a bit of a kick in the stones. Yeah, if you think if you rewinded back to to March or April of last year, you would have clearly heard me on this podcast saying that null and void was the only fair option for the season, and I, I stick by that this season. I'm I'm nothing but consistent. But you know, we're looking. There was all that furore between the the SPFL, the SFA, Rangers, Dundee, Hearts, all of that stuff last season. The, the court cases, the fact Hearts and Partick Thistle actually took the SPFL to court which I still can't believe that happened. Um, at least they've all come to the, the consensus now and we all know exactly what's going to happen if the season does stop again. Oh, wait, no, they haven't actually. It's still completely up in the air. And if the season is scrapped again, we're going to end up in the exact same place. It's another another disgrace that the clubs haven't got around the table earlier this season and come up with a plan for what happens because um, we could end up in the same place. Because the reality is... See, when football was scrapped back in March, when COVID was, you know, first on the horizon and it had that first peak, we're in a worse place now. I mean, over 1,500 people died today in Britain, and I don't, could be wrong, but I don't ever remember it being that high in 2020 at any point, you know, back in March, April, when it was at its worst. Like, we're in a worse position now. So as much as I want football to continue, for me it is. It's a matter of time, you know, before... The government, whether it be down south or Sturgeon, says that football can't continue, and it's it's a worrying, worrying thought, Craig. Especially for you. I know. Yeah, it is worrying. Um, taking all the the kind of Rangers aspect out of it, it's worrying for kind of all of us, isn't it? It's. I mean, I guess the the kind of only thing you can maybe say is the reason we can kind of keep it going just now because that, that, that's the thoughts I've been having as well, Hamish. It's almost like not only are we are we back to square one for a bit, we're actually we went even further backwards. Do you know what I mean? It's it's even worse just now in terms of the the numbers and the news every day when you turn on the TV or you're listening to the radio, it's like, God, this is this is literally worse than it was in, in the kind of darkest days of last year. Um, I guess with the testing that we've got in place, it's really the only reason that, um, that football can continue. I know, obviously, down south, it's there's some areas down there that's like the numbers are terrifying to be, uh, to put it bluntly. Um, and the the football is continuing. I guess it, it can only be because there is the testing in place. But yeah, I, I just agree with you. It, it does kind of feel like a matter of time before um, 
there is maybe a pause. I I, th- I do think like kind of worst case scenario where maybe finishing the season, um, finishing the season off maybe June July time in the summer with the vaccines coming. Hopefully, that means that there's not be whenever they are coming to be honest. But um, hopefully that means that we will play to a finish. Um, and of course from the Rangers' point of view to to bring that in, I would um love to see us play it to a finish. Whether even though there's not going to be any fans there. Um, if Rangers are to go on and win the league, you would want it to be done on the pitch as opposed to a Zoom call like last season. At least uh, Scottish football's not get anything on this summer. We've got a nice quiet summer with, with no plans at all from June to July, do we? Or, or certainly in June. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't even know if, if the Euros is set in stone yet. Um, really interesting to, to look at that as well. It's just everything is up in the air. God, this has been a nice cheery podcast, lads. Is there, is there, is there anything good happening in, in your life, Casey? Anything funny happened to you lately just to, to kind of raise spirits a bit? No. <laughs> Craig? Um, I think you remember on the last podcast I mentioned that I bought a dartboard. Um, I've not, I've yet, the weight goes on from my first 180, but I've had a couple of 140s. That, that's as good as it gets at the minute, Hamish, I think. I was looking for something funnier, but <laughs> that's that gives you a measure. <laughs> we will we will charge on to the news that Air United have got a new chairman and a new owner. They're the same person. David Smith has taken over after the former owner Lachlan Cameron uh, left the club with immediate effect. Uh, I don't know if David Smith is a listener to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast, but if he is, would you fancy giving us a follow back on Twitter? That would be appreciated. The other kind of management, or not management, but board moves, uh, we've got kind of interest in this one. Leanne Dempster, who obviously was the chief executive at, at Hibs, departed pretty recently, I think just at the tail end of 2020. She hasn't waited long to get back into the game and she's gone to Queen's Park. Yeah, who are obviously still the bottom league of the SPFL, though they're looking good for a bit of promotion this year. She says um, she has big plans for them, and she's gone in as their chief executive. They have obviously just recently ditched their amateur status. They've gone professional. Does anyone have anything to to say about Leanne Dempster and her, her move down the leagues? Uh, well, it's an interesting one again. And I mean, on the face of it, it just shows that. The ambition, uh, Queen's Park, first and foremost. I mean, I know we could speak about that all day. First of all, the, the management team, they've got the other player recruitment and just everything, that they transition into uh, professional football now for them. And unfortunately, they are now just dubbed, the, they will be the oldest professional club in Scotland now. So they've taken that uh, <laughs> that honour away for Kowarnock, um, given that obviously due to their amateur status that, that we get get away with calling ourselves oldest professional club but ah. well, oldest professional Scott uh, pro- I oldest professional sorry I you, you're the you're the oldest club who has loads of empty seats at their stadium ah, very good I amazing <laughs> I amazing that wasn't as good as I'd planned nah I've heard that I've heard that a million times <laughs> as I said then I was expecting it more with the social distance and supporters coming back in you know, that part, but um anyway Queen's Park um the, the the recruitment, I mean, you look at their squad and, I mean, that could easily be competing, you know, championship and uh, potentially high-up championship level. Um, and Leanne Dempster, it was it was a strange one because when she obviously left Hibs, but, well, when she they made the agreement that she would leave Hibs, 
back in November, I think she was carrying on and some kind of interim basis to kind of smooth the transition. Um, maybe up until the new year, I don't know about that, but but she didn't actually leave a post in November. Um, that I think they said she was going back to spend like for kind of family reasons and stuff, and 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 spend more time with with her family. Um, and now obviously she's just walked into another job at Queen's Park, and it's not like you can say, oh, well, they're, they're part time because because they're not anymore either. Um, and so again. It's it's strange that, and you wonder whether that could maybe be something to do with our leaving Hibs originally with the the kind of new owners being there. Obviously, they've been in post now for about a year or so. Um, whether that's that's been, maybe they want their own people there. But I think all in all, in the whole, I th- it's probably um kind of held in relatively high regard or as high high and high regard as you can go in Scottish football with it. Someday slagging you, Rand Dempster's kind of work has been praised both at Motherwell and at Hibs. Um, obviously, I know that Hibs faced a couple of disasters in the summer with their whole kind of signing policy after uh, sacking people uh, that have been at the club for years. Uh, that, that obviously, she she would have been part of that decision making process. But no, I think that cred, credit to Queen's Park and just everything seems to be going in the right direction for them. And again, I think that's in regards to experience as well. I mean, to work at two top Premiership clubs and then to to take the jump into to, to League Two to, to be in Queen's Park is really says a lot. Yes, it does indeed, and they're they're looking good as you say for for promotion this season. I think they're four or five points clear. Right, we'll move on to a bit of transfer stuff. There's been a, a fair bit of stuff's happening. Uh, one I want to touch on is Rangers reportedly wanting Scott Wright, Aberdeen player. Really good season as well, Scott Wright. I'm impressed every time I watch him play. He's out of contract at the end of this season at Pataudry and Rangers are keen to get him on a pre-contract ahead of next season or for next season. Uh, although they may also try and get him this month, although Derek McInnes has said that he won't be going on the cheap. Craig, thoughts on this? And I'll also chuck in the fact that Aberdeen are due to pay Rangers three hundred and fifty grand in the summer for Ross McCrory. So do you think there's a potential for a deal to be done there with, with Scott Wright going to Ibrooks? You know, I hadn't actually thought about that angle potentially that um that is something I'd heard some talk as well about um if there was to be a deal done in, in this window that might be um involving Greg Stewart going the other way until the end of the season. Um, to be honest, I, I was uh, su- surprised when I when I first heard the um, that we'd been linked with him. Pleasantly surprised, I would say, because like you, I'm uh, I've been impressed with him this season, especially uh, the game, the three each game against Celtic. I thought he was very good. Um, I thought against us on Sunday there, although Aberdeen didn't do much going forward. I, I, you did think that he was um, he was a danger any time he got in the ball. He had some nice touches. Uh, and to be honest, I think he's a player that would that would suit uh, our system. Um, quite similar to Kent, I think, in the way he plays, although not at, at the level Kent is, um, has been playing at this season uh, and, and is at. But I think it, it would make sense. It would be pretty low risk. Um, you're probably looking to upgrade some of the squad players that we've got in there. Like I mentioned, obviously, Greg Stewart. Jordan Jones just hasn't worked out at all. Um, and Brandon Barker, kind of, you know, all you really seem to hear about him is that he does well in training and he performs really well in training, but very rarely does he transfer that onto the park. So um, in terms of yeah, upgrading those uh, kind of players, I, I think Scott Wright would be um, it would be a good signing. Um, as I say, low risk. Um, 
and he would suit the system and I've been impressed with him. So yeah, interesting to see if anything does get done this this window, as you say, um with the McCrory uh deal still to be kind of finalised. Um yeah, I think we I think we could potentially see him coming in and um and I would welcome the signing, absolutely. Scott Wright, a very exciting Scottish player and another Scottish player is Jackson Irvin. Well, according to David <laughs> Pleat, anyway. And Jackson Irvin is signed for Hibs. Now, an interesting signing, and we'll talk about it in a wee minute, but did you guys see the, the Simpsons reference here? Mm-hmm. Uh, the tattoo? Yeah. He's got a, a tattoo of Mo from oh, the Simpsons. Oh, you were going to have Mo's second name there. Sizlak? Sizlak? Oh, Sizlak. Sizzler. As it says, like, oh. see, I don't watch The Simpsons. I'm just reading, um, so you know, I, I don't know these things. But anyway, uh, it was tweeted by uh, Andrew McLean from uh, Radio Clyde, who, who tweeted the the photo of <laughs> Jackson Irvin's leg, and also the you know the image that the tattoo was taken from, and it's hilarious. I never knew that at all. And one of the the Simpsons writers, a guy called Tim Long from LA, quoted the tweet saying, "I don't know who this guy is, or even what sport he plays." but he's now my favourite player. So that's a bit of a vote of confidence for Jackson Irvin signing for Hibs. Casey, what's your, your thoughts on the football aspect of this deal? I think that it's, it's, it's a very good signing. I think that for any club out with the old firm, I think Jackson Irvin would improve their uh, starting 11 uh, quite drastically. Obviously, <laughs> we had our own spell at Kilmarnock when they first come through. And I think that I think he's been pretty open that he would like to forget that uh, one spell. I think he was played out of position. I mean, I mean, everybody that knows Jackson Irvin now knows that he's a kind of, you know, a workhorse in the middle of the pitch. You know, he does the donkey work um, to, to break any more animals. Ah, yeah, there we go. I'll try and think of if, if I can like anything else. But but you know what I mean? He's <laughs> he's a a dog fighter and that. But he's um. That's what he's there for, whereas when he first came to Kilmarnock, I mean, I don't know where. Alan Johnson tried to play him centre-half, right-back, you know, I think he maybe played him out wide once as well, and the boy was getting a lot to kind of stick off the, the killer sport at times. time. It was a bit of shame on him, coming to unfair criticism, but he wasn't great, and then he went, he ended up finding his position just again in that role to sit do that work and let players like Eremenko and Sammy Klingon and stuff get on the ball and, and it worked, it was a good balance to, to the team and then they went and had the successful spell at Ross County and then signed for Ross County permanently and obviously have these kind of raved about them since so I think that obviously we discussed uh, some podcasts ago about the Gogic role and I think that that will now be the Jackson Irvin role because I think Gogic has went off the, the boil a wee bit to be fair or unless they want to try and get another attacker on the pitch and just let Gogic and Jackson Irvin sit in there, which would be would be a, a pretty tough midfield to come up against and and, and let the flair players go at it. Um, so no, I, I do. I think it's it's a very good signing. Um, you know what you're going to get, and I I'd, I'd say it's very good business for Hibs, and I think he does suit Hibs because he is he's, he's able to just do there sit do his job. And, and let all these other guys kind of flourish in front of them. So, uh, I fair play to, to Jack Ross with, with another fine signing. Do you think if he plays well between now and the end of the season, he can work his way into Steve Clark's squad for Euro 2020, Craig? Uh, oh, no. 
<laughs> right, let's move on. You, you can get a minute, Craig. You can get a minute to talk about Rangers. And it's starting now. Go. A minute. Um, good result on Sunday. Uh, Trying to think, how, how can I round this up? Uh, how many cliches can I roll out in a minute? Nothing won yet. You 50 seconds now. <laughs> no, it was, a, it was a good result on uh, Sunday. Um, made it a little bit, made the bum squeak a little bit towards the end of the game. Um, although I think if you watch it back, it probably see Aberdeen didn't really trouble us at all. Um, nothing has won yet, as I say. Uh, and we've got another big game on Sunday. Um, so one game at a time. And hopefully we just keep this run up. Still got 25 seconds. Anything else you want to say? Um, you can just sing the sash if you want. I was, I was going to say, I might give us give a wee tune, but uh, I'll be singing a song at the end of the season, hopefully. Null and void, null and void, <laughs> null and void. Right, Callum, you've got a minute to chat about your team. What's Have you seen a wee bit of an, an upturn there? I mean, you know me. Um, I'm not going to... Credit where it's due. I mean, it's a couple of good results, but I'm not going to let a couple of good results um, overshadow a, a catastrophic year, uh, and that's exactly what it has been. So, I'm not going to, to say oh, we've turned a corner. I don't think we have turned a corner. I don't see the long term future and Alex Dyer being commander manager um, for the the good of the club. But end of the day, I think the now he's not going to go. Um, so we've got to just kind of we've we've got to get behind them because at the end of the day I'm one of those kind of sick guys that when it doesn't go well sometimes you kind of hope for defeats in order to get people out the door but he's not got to go anywhere so we've got to get behind them now and try to get safe which I can't believe I've just said because we should never be in that position we shouldn't have been in a relegation battle this year but we are and but he's packed up good results in the last couple of weeks so hopefully it can continue. You are in seventh at the moment. Uh, the team directly above you is Dundee United. They played out a two-all draw against St. Johnson last night. The moment of that game, I think we all know what it was. Did, did you guys see it? Well, I suppose everyone on planet Earth has probably seen that Lauren Shanklin go by now. Uh, better or worse than Kemar Roof, guys? Not quite as good for me. And that's not that's not the blue-tinted specs on there. It's uh, an incredible goal, but Kamar Roof beats a couple of players and then does it, so it's got to go to, to Roof for me. Kamar Roof was up against an actual goalkeeper. I don't know whether he can put Xander Clark in that category as well. So, uh, no, but I think it was unbelievable for Shankland, but Roof as well. He picks up the ball, gets past a couple of players, holds them off. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, so, no, I think Roof's better, but unbelievable for Shankland. Final bit of major news we've got. Kyle Lafferty is now a free agent after leaving Regina. Does does any club you think in Scotland fancy signing him? Kelly? Would he fit in it, Kelly? Um, I think we've got a lot of kind of big strikers who don't seem to want to score goals, so I think we'd <laughs> maybe fit in that category. No, I think Lafferty's a good player. Uh, always have liked him. He was close to signing with us under Alessio, I think, as well. So um, I just... Uh, don't know, it'd maybe bring kind of some vital experience and a kind of known quantity, which I suppose we could need, but I don't we're severely lacking pace. That's where I would want my money to be going. Um, and, and I don't think Kyle Lafferty gives us that. Right, I think that'll do us, guys. Um, I'll give you both an opportunity just to... We've already done the, the tell us um, something funny that's happened for your life and that failed spectacularly. But I'll, I'll give you the opportunity just to tell us how you're doing, Craig. How, how has life been for you since we last spoke to you? Um, it's 
in football wise, it's been very good. Um, but I know, in all seriousness, same as it's uh, like we last spoke. I'm I'm doing all right. Um, working from home, as I say, the spare room. I've got my dartboard in here, so uh, in between meetings, I'm uh, chucking darts, and that's about as exciting as, as days get. So I just try kind of try to uh, plod on at the minute um, and stick to the guidelines as much as we can and hope that soon we'll come out the other end of this but uh, getting by Hamish I'm getting by Callum I don't know if you want to hear from me man I've uh, <laughs> I've chucked in the towel man I don't see any I, I think we'll still be in this kind of position this time next year that's the kind of stance that I'm taking oh. I, I, I do not trust them to roll out the vaccine uh, accordingly uh, and I just but I, th- I think they will have a similar summer to what we had last year but again, I just I, 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 I think it'll be a disaster to be honest. There. So no, nah, I've 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 not been I've I've not been that keen on everything that's been going on lately, and obviously Kamala getting a couple of good results doesn't really uh, doesn't make me feel that much better. So nah. There we go, the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast, putting a smile on your face. We hope you've really enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed recording it. Thanks, Callum, and thanks, Craig. Remember, we're on Twitter, at Burst Ball Podcast. We're on Facebook as well. We don't really use that, but we can post the pods now and again on there. And yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Bye.